welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Excellent. I'm going to just start this morning. I'm going to read a scripture, okay? I realize not everyone in this room is a Christian, and that's fine. You're very welcome. And if you are here for the first time, you are welcome. And I know we've done a lot of clapping this morning, but let's put our hands together for those for here for the first time this morning. It's great. Contrary to popular belief, we do not exist just for our members. We exist for our non-members. We exist as a church for people we haven't even met yet. We exist for people who have a hangover in Highland Street right now. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're actually here to help people. People who hate us right now. People who resent us right now. People who've got no time for us right now. People who believe in all sorts of things. Contrary to what we believe, we exist for them. I never want church to become so comfortable we just make it all about us. Okay, so there's always room for your heathenistic, atheistic, unsaved, non-believing, Buddhist-believing, Krishna-believing, gay marriage-believing friends that you've got out there. Okay, so please, 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 if you think that the church is just rigid and uh, just wants to look after it, that may be true for... Some of the churches that you've experienced, it is not true for this church. You are very, very welcome. And so I'm so glad you plucked up the courage to come this morning. Having said that, we don't ever want to apologize for our Christianity. And so I want to delve into the Word of God this morning. And I want to look at a couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. You're going to love this verse. Every man in this place is going to love this verse. This is one of the good ones for us men. You know, the Bible's got lots of verses. Some are great, some suck. But you've got to embrace all the Word of God. How many of you ever guys have been reading the Bible? Oh, that's awesome. Then there's a line, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know what Paul was on when he wrote that. But Paul was in a good place when he wrote this one. Let me tell you. He says this, wives, submit to your husbands. We love it, don't we? So awesome. Get wives in their place. I don't know where the ladies are in this room, but... Uh are there any ladies in here this morning? It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. You're going to love this bit too. For the husband is the head of the wife. As Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is saviour. What I want to talk about this morning is man of the house. That's the title of my message, man of the house. Because according to this portion of scripture, man is to be the head of the home. And that's caused a lot of controversy and debate. And it's caused the feminist move to rise up and it's caused men to get arrogant. And both those um, responses are Wrong responses to what Paul is trying to say here. He's not saying that man is the head of the home and so he can dictate and lord it over the wife. He's not saying that the woman should get insecure and just fight and rise up against the husband. He's trying to make a point. And it's not a conversation that he's having here that is based upon preference. He's not saying that God prefers men over women. 
This is not a preference conversation. This is a positional conversation. You've got to get this. God is not saying that he loves men more than women. God is not saying that men are better than women. He's simply talking about a man's role in the home. And if you are the man of your house in that you are married and you have a family, this is for you. If you are not married and you're not necessarily the man of the home, you are a child in your home, this message is for you. Because this is a time you need to learn. In actual fact, you are in the best place of your life to hear a message like this. It's far better to hear a message like this while you're still young and single. As opposed to being in the thick of it and trying to learn this stuff. And so this is a positional conversation, not a preference conversation. He's simply talking about the man's role in the home. The context here is that the husband, wife and children are a team. That's what Paul's saying. He says, the family is a team. Got it? We're not competing against each other. We are working together. And basically, as with all teams, we have a job to do and our part to play. Let me just explain it this way. Growing up, I played a lot of soccer. Some of you would have played a lot of football. Some of you would have played rugby and other sports. And if you ever played any team sport, you'll know what I'm talking about this morning. But in soccer specifically, you had your certain positions. In every soccer team, there was one goalkeeper. Back in the day when I first started playing soccer... We had two defenders, three midfields, and five forwards. It was a 2-3-5. That was back in the day. Now they play more a four defence, four midfield, and two forwards. A 4-4-2 scenario. It's irrelevant to what I'm saying. Point is this. Every player has a position to play. My question to you, is the goalkeeper more important or less important than the guy who scores the goals? No, they just have a different role. Can you imagine the goalkeeper saying, I want to score some goals. I'm sick to death of standing back here and, and, and that guy at the front getting all the credit. I want to score some goals. The moment he plays out of position, then what he's meant to be doing, he leaves a hole. He leaves a gap. And so this is a positional conversation that Paul is having here about the family. No one is better, no one is worse. We just have different roles. Now granted in soccer in particular, the guy who scores the most goals may get more credit and more accolade, but he would never be able to score any of the goals without the team behind him. But even with the more accolade and acknowledgement that he may receive, there's also more pressure and more responsibility with his role. Is that fair to say? And so it is with us as men. Paul is saying here, Paul is simply the author of what I've read. He's saying that men have a different role than women and women have a different role than men and children have a different role than parents. That's it. No one is better. No one is worse. If you take this as men and think that you are better and you dictate and lord over your wife, you've missed the point. If women just rise up and say, I want to be the head of the home, they are missing the point. This is a positional conversation. And just as it is in sport, so it is in the home. Man, according to the Bible, um, is the head of the home. I am a man. 
That means that in our home, I am the head. I am the boss in our home. That doesn't make me better. It doesn't make me greater than anyone else in our family. I have a wife and she's beautiful and I've known her for many years. I have a 14-year-old daughter. Her name is Jordan. I have a 12-year-old son. His name is Mitchell. And I have a 6-year-old daughter and her name is Bailey, who we affectionately call BJ. I am no better than BJ, but I am the head of the home. I am no more precious in God's eyes than BJ. We just have a different role to play. Can you imagine if our home was left to the decision, if the decision making in our home was left to BJ? Do you know what we would have for dinner every night? Ice cream. Do you know what we'd do every day? We'd play. And pretty soon we'd lose a home because we wouldn't be earning money, but we'd be playing lots. We'd have a lot of fun, but that would be it. It doesn't make me better, it doesn't make me worse, it doesn't make them better, it doesn't make them worse, it just means we have a role to play. Are you following me? And so my responsibility, or sorry, my position is a powerful position. I've been given great power, but with great power comes great responsibility. As men, we have been given great power. The reason for the rise of the feminist move is because men have not been responsible with the power they've been given and women have had to rise up because men have been stupid and more power to them. But it's still not what was God's intention from the beginning. Women just got sick of being treated like dirt and rightly so. And so as men, we can't complain that women have actually stood up because we weren't doing the right thing. It always starts with us. With great power comes great responsibility. Even Spider-Man knows that, if you've seen the film. I have a responsibility then in my home to lead, direct, and govern our house. That's my role, to lead, govern, and direct my home. I have the responsibility for the spiritual, relational, and emotional climate of our home. If things aren't right spiritually in our home, it's my responsibility. If things aren't right emotionally in our home, you might be, have a wife and all your kids are girls. You can't blame the estrogen. You've, you've, got to, you've got to grab the emotional climate of your home and lead and govern through that. It's your responsibility. You can't say, oh, these women and the, 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 that time of the month and oh, it's just so hard. No, 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 no. It's your responsibility to grab a hold of the emotional climate and bring direction and bring leadership in that moment. And I count this as a privilege and a joy, and it is. Can you imagine if men would be men, it would allow women to be women? And then we could have harmony in the home. I have the privilege of dropping our kids off to school every morning, at least our two oldest ones, because they need to be there a little bit earlier than our youngest ones. So Kath takes the youngest one, I take the two oldest ones. And the trip between our home and the school is probably about five minutes in the car. And it gives me five minutes every day just to talk. And it's amazing the deep and meaningful conversations that we have in that time. Just this Friday morning, this is a conversation we had in dropping the kids off. I said to them, I said, kids, have you noticed that mum's um, been in pain recently? One of them says, uh, no, I didn't notice. The other one says, ah, I saw her limping a bit. I said, can you imagine being in pain? And then no one even noticing. And then 
not only do we not notice, but then you expect all the jobs you would normally do just to get done. I said, think about it from your point of view. You're in pain. You've been asked to do the jobs that you do as kids. And mum and dad aren't noticing your pain and just asking and expecting you to do what you would normally do. And then just imagine because the pain is so great that you can't get your little jobs that you've been given to do done and then we get onto you. You'd, you'd hate that. Well, the Bible says, do unto others as you do, have them do unto you. How would you like it if you came home today and there's no dinner because mum was just in too much pain? What would you do? Would you offer to make the dinner? Or just complain that the dinner's not there. I said, you can respond a number of ways right now. You can respond and justify. You can say, well, well, hang on, I didn't know that. And that would be the wrong way, just to justify your actions. Or you could just beat yourself up and condemn yourself and say, oh, we're useless kids. And that would be the wrong way to respond. The best way to respond is always a biblical one, and that's to be proactive. And I said, so right here, right now, in the car, before we get out and go to school, we can actually pray for mum. Let's pray for mum. Mitch, pray for mum right now. And we grab those moments. It's a privilege and a joy of mine as the head of the home, as the man of the house, to be able to lead through those times and to teach them. It was such a joy for me. Jordan comes home from school. She cooks dinner that night. I didn't tell her to. I taught what could be done, and she responded. What a joy. What a privilege. I feel stoked. Jordan feels stoked. Mum's just blown away. Can you see God's plan is the best way? It never ceases to amaze me that we ignore everything God asks us to do. Then we blame God for every bad thing that happens. People don't believe in marriage today as if it's some obsolete idea. But it's still God's plan. But if we're going to embrace God's plan, we've got to embrace God's ways. And so if we're going to be the head of the home, we need to be the head of the home. And so as the head of the home, I need to know how to build a home. Would that be fair to say? If I'm the head of the home, then I need to know how to build a home. And so I want to read one more scripture to you very quickly this morning. It's found in Proverbs 24, Proverbs 24, verse 3 to 5. It says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled, and with rare and beautiful treasures, a wise man has great power, and a man of knowledge increases strength. How, would you like, how many of you would like to have great power and increase in your strength? Well, the Bible says you can, and it comes down to three things. If you, want to, if you are the head of the home, you need to know how to build a home, and the way you build a home is based on three things, according to Proverbs 24. And the first one is simply this. You need Knowledge. Or another word for knowledge would be information. If you want to build a home and fulfill your role as the head of the home, you're going to need to know how to do that. You're going to need knowledge. You're going to need information. And here's the problem. Generally, men aren't great at getting the help they need. Do you know why? Because we're too proud. We don't like to admit we don't know what to do. We don't like to admit we've got a problem. We don't like to admit that we don't know where we are. How many of you have been driving a car and you're lost, but you don't say you're lost? You just keep driving. Come on. How many of you have ever done that? You just, just, just drive. And you've got your wife next to you saying, why don't we stop and ask for help? You go, I'm not lost. I know exactly where we are. I'm just showing you a different route. I'm just showing you a new experience. 
Because we're proud. And the Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Getting the information we need starts with humbling ourselves. We need to admit that we don't know everything. We need to admit that we need help. We need to admit that we're lost. And so in order to get the information we need, we need to humble ourselves. We need to ask ourselves some questions. What area do I need help in right now? Instead of assuming you know everything about everything, it'd be really good if, if we could just stop and think for a moment about what areas do we need help. Is it in our marriage? Hey, maybe your marriage is good, but maybe it's the kids that are a little bit off the rails at the moment. Maybe it's in your parenting. You need some information. You need some knowledge. Because without that knowledge, you're not going to build your home. Maybe it's in your singleness. Maybe you look at these married guys and think, man, it's all right for you. I'm a Christian. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to live pure. But gee, you know, this testosterone's in my body. I just don't quite know how to deal with all these thoughts and all these feelings and all these things that are going on in my head. How do I do singleness better? Maybe, maybe that's your issue this morning. None of these things are wrong. You just got to acknowledge it. Maybe purity is your thing. Maybe things are going well, but you need to take your husbanding or your fathering to another level. So leadership's your thing. You need to increase your leadership. Maybe you're struggling in your leadership. Maybe you're struggling in your authority. Maybe your kids just don't take you seriously enough. So you need some information. You need some knowledge of how to be more authoritative. How to lead with greater clarity. See, the sin is not knowing how to do these things. The sin is not asking. And so we need to humble ourselves, we need to ask ourselves, then we need to empower ourselves. The way we can do that is through reading. You say, well, men, we don't read. We leave that for the women. That's probably, probably why they're doing better than us. But there are incredible books out there, practical books, how-to books that can help you in your leadership, that can help you in your marriage, that can help you in your parenting, that can help you in your singleness, that can, that can help you in your purity. There's some great authors, some great books that have been written to be able to help you. And I would encourage you to read. Can I just say this? Naturally, I'm not a reader. But my love for learning is greater than my lack of desire for reading. So it's made me a reader. Because I love to learn. Many of you, to get through school, had to read a certain amount of books just to get through school. It wasn't that you loved the reading. It's just that you had to get through school, yeah? Well, we have to get through this life. And I would encourage you to increase your desire for reading. Because you will learn and you'll get information that you need in order to help you in your marriage, in your parenting, in your singleness. So get the practical how-to books. There are great books. The great thing about belonging to a church is that there are people who are reading all the time and you can go and ask for help. Pete's got some great material on marriage. If you're struggling in your marriage, he can recommend many, many books. And there's others who can recommend many great godly books about marriage and parenting and singleness and purity. I've got a whole bookshelf full of leadership books. If there's anything you appreciate about my leadership, know this. It's not just because I'm a great leader. It's because I've read a lot of books 
about leadership. I've gathered a lot of information and knowledge about leadership. I've gathered a lot of information about marriage and about parenting. And so I appreciate your commendation, but at the end of the day, I'm a collection of everyone else's information. Are you with me? So read practical books. Read inspirational books. Sometimes you don't need to know what to do. You just, just, you just need some energy. You need some courage just to get through. You know what to do, but you just need some inspiration. For me, books like Wild at Heart put steel in me. Dare to dream again. So there's inspirational books. There's practical books. Get the books. Also, ask questions. Don't just read, but ask questions, specific questions, questions that are specific to your struggles. And obviously the people we ask questions of should be people that have got victory in that area. We don't ever want a connect group to be based upon a group where everyone's struggling with the same thing. That's not going to help anybody. If you're struggling with something, you don't want to be around other people that are struggling with the same thing. You want to be around someone who, who could help you through that thing that you're going through. So ask questions. Watch others. Just, just look and learn. Watch people's lives. I've learned so much in life just through watching. Remember as a young man growing up, I just, you know, you know, I, I just watched my dad. Watch what, some of the things he'd do. You know, some of my eating habits today just was a result of watching my dad and what he ate. I saw that he was fitter than most people his age. I saw that he had more energy than most people his age. And I wanted that fitness and I wanted that energy when I was his age. And so I just used to watch what he ate. And I used to eat the same things. Dad never told me, this is what you should eat. I just watched him. And I, thought, well, I, I, I saw the benefit of what he ate. And so because I saw that, I started to put it into my life. Listen to messages. There are great messages free of charge to download on the internet that can bless you and that can help you. Many great Christian websites with great messages that you can download. There are many, many messages that you can get. What I want to say is this. Do whatever it takes to educate yourself and get the knowledge you need. Let us not be dummies when it comes to learning. Let us not just stop reading and stop learning because we're no longer at school. Let's continue to learn. Does that make sense? So the first thing when it comes to building a home is you've got to get knowledge, which is information. Secondly, the Bible says, according to Proverbs 24, you need understanding, which is meditation. You need information, you need meditation. You need knowledge, you need understanding. Let me just say this about meditation. Meditation is not emptying your mind and thinking about nothing. That's called watching television. If television was a sport, we would win, wouldn't we, men? I'm talking about filling your mind with the right things. That's what meditation is. It's not sitting there humming and harring and sitting in the lotus position and removing or emptying your mind of everything. It's actually filling your mind with the right stuff. That's what meditation is. It's to think deeply about things. See, getting knowledge is not enough. We must think about the knowledge that we've gained. So once you've read your book, once you've asked the questions, once you've listened to the messages, then you've got to spend time thinking about what you've heard. Once you've watched, you've got to think about what you've seen. 
I didn't look at dad and as a young man growing up, look at what he was eating and think, wow, that looks yummy. It didn't look yummy. I had to stop and think about what I saw him eating with the health that he had as an older man in life. And I had to stop and think about that. And I had to weigh up, is, is it worth eating that to get that? And, I, and I, I thought to myself, yes, it is. It's worth it. If I just looked at it and thought, does that taste good? I probably never would have eaten the stuff. But you've got to stop and think. And if there's one thing men are not good at, that's getting information. If there's something that we're worse at, it's not thinking about anything. We just move from, even from this meeting, we're going to go off and do whatever we do and totally forget everything I've said. There's a good chance that most of you will do nothing with what I've said. It's the risk I run. So we need knowledge, but we also need understanding. And the understanding comes when we stop and think. We must digest what we've learned. Think about eating a meal for a minute. Once you've eaten a meal, if you go back a few years before TV dinners and everything was involved, the idea was to come around together as a family and you'd sit and you'd eat and you'd talk and you'd chat and you'd digest your food. How many of you have ever eaten a big meal and then tried to play sport? You ever done that? What happens to the food? It usually comes up. In other words, everything you eat doesn't do the good to your body that was meant to because it never had time to be digested. It's quicker to eat your food than to digest your food. It's easier to get knowledge than to understand knowledge. Understanding takes more time than getting the knowledge in the first place. And so we need to create some time in our world to stop and think about what it is that we are doing and what we are learning. If we don't digest our food, we're going to lose it by throwing it up. And if we don't digest the information we get, we're going to lose the information. If you don't write notes, and if you don't stop and think about what I'm sharing this morning, you'll lose it. You'll say, what did Tony say again? I don't know. You watch by tomorrow morning. I, I put a challenge to you. See if you can remember anything about what I said today, tomorrow morning. Those that stop and think will remember something of it. Those that don't will say, yeah, I, I don't know. Did Tony even speak? I remember having egg and bacon. I remember that. But Tony's speaking, really? I don't remember that. Because it takes time. Some things to think about are, what does this mean? Get some information. Okay, what does this mean? Don't just assume that, oh, I've heard that now. I know what it means. No, no. What does it mean? I've just read this book, but what does that mean? How many of you have ever read a book and thought, well, I, don't, I didn't understand a thing? What, what does that mean? These are questions I ask myself. If, the, if reading the Bible is boring for you, it's your own fault. Because the Bible is not just to read, it's to stop and think. You're meant to have Selah moments. It's not about getting through your chapter a day or your four chapters a day that will get you through the whole Bible in a year. That's not the point. The point is to read it and stop and think about what you've read. It's called meditation. So what, what does this mean? Jesus said, love your enemies. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what, what does that mean? I'm struggling to love a woman I, that I love, my wife. I'm struggling to love her right now. What do you mean my enemies? What? What does that mean? If we stop and do this, the Bible will never be boring. How does this apply to my life? What changes will I need to make? You get some information? Okay, what changes will I need to make? There's some things I'm sharing this morning. You'll have to make some changes to make this word work for you. What are those changes? You've got to stop and think about that. What needs to go in my life? If we're going to move forward as men, we can't just keep adding things to your life. 
You have to remove some things in order to add some things. If there's going to be new things coming, then there's going to be some old things going. How much will it cost? How will it impact my family? So you get a promotion. So you get a new job. Great. How is that going to impact your family? So you'll have more money. But how is it going to impact my family? Do my family right now need more money or do they need more of me? Answer that question. They need more of you. I've been asked to play for this team. I've been asked, that's cool for you, but you're also the head of your home. How is that going to impact on your family? How will that affect my faith? A few things going on around in the social network circles about Guy Sebastian losing his faith. and I'm not here to make a comment about that. But you know what? Success can be, sometimes be the worst thing for us. That's not a statement about Guy Sebastian, but it's, it's, it should cause us to think. If you had everything you wanted, where would you be as a Christian? Would you still have your faith? If you got every prayer answered, every desire given, would you still be a Christian or would you no longer need God in your life? Worth asking, worth thinking about, worth gaining some understanding. So to build a home, we need wisdom. Sorry, we need knowledge, we need understanding, and thirdly, we need wisdom. Wisdom is application. We need information, meditation, application. We need knowledge, understanding, and we need wisdom to build a home. See, contrary to popular belief, knowledge is not power. It's only applied knowledge that is power. It's only when we begin to apply what we know we see the benefits. See, the answer to getting fit and healthy is to... Diet and exercise. We all know that. We know that. How many do it? We all know that if you spend more money than you earn, it will lead to poverty. We know that. We know that, don't we? Then why are there so many broke people today? Because we don't apply what we know. If you want to build your house, if you want to be the head of your home, if you want to be taken seriously as a man, then you've got to build your house. And the Bible says we build our house with knowledge, information, with understanding, meditation, and with wisdom, application. Wisdom is simply applied knowledge. My prayer for you as men is that you would get the knowledge you need for the areas that you're struggling in. To do that, you need to humble yourselves. Secondly, that you would make time to gain the understanding through meditation and deep thought about what you are learning. And then thirdly, you would apply what you've learned because it's only through applied knowledge that you'll see the power displayed in your life. Because I've shared this today does not make me the expert. I'm on a journey of knowledge, information, and learning. And I want to get better at what I do. And so none of us have arrived. But we do need to continue to humble ourselves and ask the right questions and get around the right people. The reason we put on a meeting like this is so that we can be around the right people. There are people in this room who have the answers to your questions. My question to you is, are you asking those questions? Or are you in denial? Are you in pride? Do you think you know it all? Are you just driving around aimlessly, calling it a different route? 
Let's humble ourselves. Can I pray? Father, I want to thank you for the incredible privilege that you've given us as men to lead our homes. But with that privilege is a great responsibility, and that responsibility is daunting, and we can't do it in our own strength, and so we need you. We need your wisdom. We need your perspective. We need your grace. We need your guidance. We need your leadership. And I ask and pray that right here, right now, you would grant us the knowledge, the understanding, and the wisdom that we need to build our homes. We can't do that without you, Lord. We need your help. And so would you continue to open the eyes of our heart that we might see you more clearly, that we may embrace you more passionately, and that we may make the necessary changes. And I ask that today in Jesus' name. Thanks for your time, fellas. Really appreciate it. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. God bless.